what are we going to talk about? Well, we have some questions for Julie today because she's in beautiful Berlin to visit a maze festival 2018. And instead of hanging out at a maze, we made the way to an abandoned amusement park to hang out at the creepiest spot and at the same time most beautiful and green spot we could find in Berlin. It's my favorite place in Berlin. Right at the water. Hello and welcome to the next wonderful episode of Base Stories, being recorded right now at water with some green stuff around and two people who are joining me as a usual co-host, Sarah Lisa Fogo. Hello. Hi. Happy to be here. Yes. And two people, two gorgeous ladies. And who is our another guest? I'm Julie. Julie. From Via Unicorns. Ooh. I also have a last name, it's Heide. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Great. And why are you famous? Internet famous. <laughs> I'm trying to become internet famous. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> Great. So, uh, as this episode will be chaotic, uh, I'm just already preparing the audience for it. I'm pretty sure it will be awesome too. Uh, can you give us a little bit background of uh, how did you come to the base community, to the VR itself and what you're doing? So, basically, <laughs> Sarah knows the story. That's why she's laughing. Um... I have been in the games industry for quite a few years, but then one day I decided uh, that I wanted to make uh, games myself. I was mainly on the business side and I had made a few game jam games and then I started working on a flat game as we call it these days. And then I decided to kind of steal an Oculus DK1 from the Unity office in Copenhagen. And I promised a conference in Poland that is now called Game Industry Conference that I would show up with a virtual reality game. So basically I had been working on this game a bit and then I got under pressure because I had to go to a conference and actually exhibit it. And that was uh, the first time I exhibited a virtual reality game. And that is, I think, well, that was four and a half years ago. And then the math adds up. Yeah, that's true. But you actually um, rocked it all and like incubated this whole VR scene with like a super early game jam and VR. Oh, that was way later. Shyla games, yeah, that was already. It was actually that was actually way later, but way that... later, but that was a big one, yeah. So, so I was doing this virtual reality game alone by myself, and then luckily I met other good folks that uh, thought that making virtual reality games uh, would be fun. And we started making it into sort of a, a more real game instead of just Julie with her bad programming skills and bad graphic skills mm. <laughs> trying to make something uh, that I found was funny uh, to actually work with other people who, who are way better at everything than me. And while, while doing that, I was also organizing various uh, game events, like Game Jam mainly. And one I did in Copenhagen with Torsten from the FMAZE Festival called Shyla Games. Shaila is my horse, so I named the event after her. And uh, Torsten had told Sarah to join and show uh, show her virtual reality game. And then Sarah and I became best friends. Yeah, but it was really like this image of the game jam. I mean, Torsten told me actually during a maze, you were there too, like 2015, we exhibited lucid trips at a maze um, with this whole wind installation and whatnot. 
And then he told me about China Games and I was looking at the thing and back then it was really mostly nerds like um, at the VR meetups and whatnot and was like VR was not like really fun or cool. But then I looked at the thing and it was just like crazy um, horsey wearing VR goggles under a rainbow with like crazy like, um, you know, super fun and illustration of VR, which I've never seen before and was just like, what the fuck? Like this exists. That must be a joke. Like, I cannot believe it. And actually, the way Sarah and I met was because Sarah's Airbnb got cancelled. So she wrote the Facebook page of the event saying, Hey guys, I'm coming up to Shyla Games and I don't have a place to stay. Can you recommend somewhere I could I could stay, like a hostel or something? And I said, just stay with me. I'm a girl. It's not creepy. <laughs> and it was a chat, like the official Facebook page for the for the event so uh so then we became friends sarah was standing outside with this big suitcase with all her like big desktop computer and move controllers back then and an oculus dk2 must have been at the time and yeah yeah. oh it was way before you had the htc vive yeah 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 yeah. it was way before it's way back when but actually chat um, Felicek, who at that time like was responsible for giving out the wife and like launching it, and he, like, he was attending. He was attending, so he was kind of he was out to spot uh, who uh, sort of VR developers were doing something interesting, so he could send send vibes. Yeah, he, he like I actually no, he just got forced. <laughs> he got forced. So I'd known Chet for some years already, and um, due to doing VR, so there was someone at Valve who who uh, told the both of us that we should that we should chat. Um, that was back before Valve had announced that they were actually working on hardware together with ACC. They were just saying they were working on software. Um, so so Chet had apparently been sort of eyeing me to see whether I should be part of the first batch of uh, uh, Vive developers, uh, which among others was Alchemy Games, uh, who uh, was on Job Simulators, uh, some Job Simulator, I tried to say, and various other games. But Chet deemed me too crazy to be part of the first batch, so I became part of the second batch of people receiving a Vive. So I was too crazy to be under an NDA, which you had to be in the very beginning. So Chet was there, and there were a lot of good folks there. Hilmer from CCP was there. Callum, who was at Oculus back then, was there. Kish was at Sony, and they also, of course, had a huge interest in VR. So there were a lot of good folks and a lot of people who uh, who could help out with advice uh, to to us uh, VR game jammers, as we were back then, because we were probably not making real games yet. We were just jamming and trying everything out in VR to see what, what would work, because... The beautiful thing with virtual reality, and especially back then in the sort of very beginning of this generation of hardware, is that no one knew like what we were doing. Like all of us, we were just developing, trying, playtesting, showing to people, and seeing their responses. and And everything was just about uh, basically game jamming around and figuring out, hey, what do we feel work? Because there were no rules. Like one one thing that was very sort of um, important to me was that, that people don't get motion sick in any of the games I'm working on. So that was one of my main rules. And I'm very prone to motion sickness myself. So that was very important to me. But in general, it felt like this wild west of space where you can just do whatever you wanted. And that has been so fun. I feel it's still like I could see a lot of the games that have been coming out lately. It's more like real games. I mean, games that, that we've been working on, such as self tennis archery, ski jump that we're working on and Utopia and Steampunk and now also Blow Simulator we're also working on like we probably cannot like call ourselves like falling in the category of 
normal games or normal VR games, we make things that are usually very different uh, compared to other games because that's what we've chosen. We we usually, when we actually make design decisions, it's usually because someone would have done it in a certain way and we do the opposite because we kind of like to challenge the medium as such. And we, we do these sort of grotesque, semi-realistic, quirky sports games with a weird twist. And, and that's the games that we like to play. And one of my friends recently said that I'm basically masturbating every time I'm working on a game because I just work on, on the things that I would like to play myself. And I think that's what counts for everyone that, that I work with. That makes total sense in this um, medium. I mean, it's an empty um, playground where you can just like experiment. And that was also something for me because I'm like more from a design background and in design, everything has been tried out and like there are rules, what works and what doesn't. And it's like um, there are different styles. Of course, it's like you should do something new and whatnot, but like there's color schemes that works and whatnot. You know, like design is pretty much determined in what looks good and what is like a thing to do. And VR was just something like whatever you did, it wasn't there before and it's something new and it's something that you do and that will influence people that um, try these kind of things afterwards. So it's always that like whatever you do, it's like a, it's an empty sheet and you... And you can do whatever because yeah. there, there are literally no rules. And again... It, and it, it and I feel it's still very much like that because VR is still very different. Again, I come from the game development industry. I mean, I was never a good game developer, to be honest. I think I'm I'm pretty fortunate that that virtual reality became a thing when I started being more interested in in developing myself, because that's actually a medium where I can just imagine which world I want to be in, and and then I can start building it, and I can imagine the interactions I would like to have with other people in in these worlds. Uh, we we mainly break uh, multiplayer games now, um, and then I can create them. Like it's it's nothing. Like it's just my imagination in many ways, and my teammates' imagination that we think something up, and then we see whether it works, and then we can be there together. And if it works, it works, and if it doesn't work, we make something else. Now let me ask you the following question: um, How did you benefit, or how did you basically, you know? got maybe some opportunities or in general with better touch to the whole VR dev community through the XR base. So how did the XR base play a role in your feeling or not? Are we not gonna do this question? Or? No. <laughs> so 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 the interesting thing is that that way before Sarah uh, set up uh, in in Berlin, like her and I were already traveling around to various conferences, evangelizing virtual reality, showing people what we were working on, showing them the new hardware that we had gotten from uh, the, the hardware developers like like the Vive and Oculus and also Windows Mixed Reality. And uh, I also have, a, a, I think, a in more interesting question. Go for it. Um, kind of what, the, what was the most interesting learning or discovery you had working so early in VR like what was most interesting for you and your teammates when you were like really 
hanging around with those early deaf kids because you know there were bugs on the glasses and whatnot. I, I I think like so so one one thing that was <laughs> that came in very handy when I started doing virtual reality and it was when it was still just me was that. I'm from uh, Copenhagen, where where we host the Nordic Game Jam, which is an amazing game jam that I met most of my friends through. Um, and uh, there was already a tradition for using the Sony Move controllers uh, as tra hand tracked devices, and it also meant that my very first version of the virtual reality game I was working on back then, I was actually using the Sony Move controllers. And my friend Patrick, who lives just around the corner from from my place. He had written uh, what we call Unimove, so it was uh, basically like a library uh, and and like uh, an SDK on top of that. So they made it so you could use the move controllers with Unity very uh, like oh, many many years ago. So he came by and helped me a bit with like set that up so I could start moving around in VR by using the move controllers. Back then, I deemed that it would be too um, chaotic or dangerous to. Uh, to play with move controllers at, at uh, when I demoed the game. So I actually jumped to a PS3 controller instead. I, I was working on VR on a Mac back then. Like I'm, a, oh I'm usually a Mac only, but now I have to also work on Windows. But uh, but but I was also always, because I got very motion sick uh, myself from VR, uh, I always made games for uh, where you had to stand up and playing VR and you would always move in the direction you were facing so you couldn't strafe or, uh, or anything else. But I remember being like a little bit worried about uh, the move controllers because people might hit each other uh, or hit well, me when I, I was demoing. Guess you your worries turned out not to be correct. Exactly. So, and I also remember one thing that was interesting was that that Oculus back then was very concerned about me having players standing up when playing. Really? Yes, and it was interesting. So they were actually asking me if I could please make sure people sat down. And I also circumvented huh. like the warning screen and so on. So I mean. It was it was quite interesting times because I got motion sick if I sat down and played VR and I actually wanted to use the move controllers but I was a little worried about that. Safety later has not really been any of my concerns. I mean, we're we're the team behind selfie tennis which a lot of people get injured in and controllers get smashed and so on. And and I think it's very important to let uh, both developers and also players do what they actually want to do because in order to not break immersion you should not limit yourself no, too much. Right. Um But but the interesting thing was like with the different hardware generation software like SDKs. I mean, like Oculus stopped supporting Mac at one point, uh, but I was still hacking like SDKs together to actually sort of in the very end before I I had to actually jump to Windows to just make like uh, uh, among others the DK2 working with my Mac before the SDK was actually finalized and whatnot. So 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 it was interesting. And then back like. Fast forward, we we got the Vive and it was very early, and there were like what we called a Steam VR game when like stuff would crash, and you were like trying to figure out like how the lighthouses worked well, whether we could have reflecting surfaces, and like all these quirky setups we had to do in order to uh, to make sure that every everything worked. That that was interesting. I mean, I felt more like a hardware hacker sometimes than actually a, a game developer. Is it still the same? I mean, it, everything has become much easier now. And it's 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 interesting because also just when we started using uh, the Oculus with the touch controllers, because we were Vive, Vive only for a while, and, and how to set up the room space and figuring out how, how that would work so we could actually do full room scale games for Oculus. Um, but just, just things like that were... <clears throat> that weren't necessarily um, anyone who 
who knew how to do it and we would all just figure it out along the way and you would share experiences with other game jammers and VR developers in general. And I think actually coming from a game jamming background has been very helpful because you were used to helping out other people and and asking if there's something you can do. I think if you're more sort of normal game industry corporate background, like you don't dare to ask. Whereas we were just like, all right, we don't know what we're doing here. Do you guys know anything about it? And people would help out. Especially like during game jams and whatnot, it's still like that. That's also why game jams are like just one of the most fun things still. It's just, it's where it's where you can... It's where you can see whether your crazy ideas can actually become something fun because you don't worry about polish. You just jam something together and you test it instantly. And we, in VR Unicorns, we very much work like that. And all the systems that we build on top of Unity and also just our multiplayer backend is uh, that Horatio from my team has been working on like the past half a year. Like it's it's made so we can test things, like make things and test them and then see whether that's the way to go about it or we should do something different. But our iteration process is very fast. How big is your team? Uh, so so we're four people and then freelancers. Mm -hmm. I've also lately um, just tinkered around a lot with the VRTK um, solutions. They're just also like really helping with the effect of rapid prototyping. Uh, yeah, it's like VRTK, they have it for the Rift, for the Vive, and uh, just recently also released it for the Microsoft Mixed Reality headset. So that's actually a really good thing to just be fun. It was actually somewhat like the development was discontinued, but Oculus just announced that uh, they went in and helped out financially. Nice. So the development yeah, I think that the Kickstarter campaign but failed, right? Yeah, yeah. But Oculus, it, but, but Oculus nice. now, yeah, they just announced it today. Very um, good. So that's really nice. I, I always like, I always joke about that we don't use VRTK because I have Horatio. So, uh, <laughs> and he's okay. probably one of the best physics programmers in, nice. in the VR scene. So it, it means that, that so the thing is with using tools that are a bit more generic, you still need to tweak them so it actually feel right mm -hmm. for the game that you're making. Sure. So I would advise that even if, if people use uh, use tools either from Unity Asset Store or VRTK, that, that remember that it's very much in VR because it is so real. <laughs> so to speak, um, that you tweak them so it feels right in your game. So taking things out of the box can really like get you going very fast and then you should tweak it along the way so it really you really capture the feel of your game in, in the mechanics and controls. What's actually with those in-game, um, uh, those VR, you know, like the prototyping things, they were like said to be so big, you know, like uh, Unity and Unreal both like have those like in-VR creation uh, editors. Yeah. editors. And somehow I didn't even hear anything about them anymore. I honestly haven't followed that much. Um, to to like I I still, and I think maybe it's maybe it's just because we're I don't know why I say stuck in the way that we're making games, but we just really like to control that part ourselves, so we know exactly what's going on, and 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 because we are so fast at at prototyping. We don't necessarily need to use other like external tools. Of course, we use uh, like our systems are also have like various other tools that we bought on the asset store implemented in them um, that that we used uh, in, for internal development. But but um, I'm not a huge fan of actually uh, logging up a game like in any of the the, the VR editor tools. Uh, honestly, like I, I I like our approach, and maybe it's just me who's like stuck in that in that process. But that works for us. But you have a lot of experience. Let's say someone is listening who is going, you know, in his mind all back and forth whether he should become 
you know. Then I suggest then I suggest to use those tools definitely. Like mm -hmm. it is it doesn't fit into our process with with the things that we're doing because it would actually slow us down. Yeah. Um because we already have our own system set up, but I definitely say like I always joke about, yeah, even I can make a virtual reality game. And I've shown it several times on stage how fast I could make a game, even though I'm a really bad game developer. But just like you have a tool like Unity, everything is already ready. There is full VR support and no one should be scared about the lack of technical knowledge and not let that hold hold you back. What I also always suggest with that one is the in-VR creation tools, you know, like Killbrush and Medium, you can mm -hmm. just check sizes, like um, yeah. proportions and yeah, everything, if that fits and you, you can you can totally you can totally mark that up. And I think so one one of that that's where I can see how much experience we've we've gained with virtual reality well, I tried to say virtual reality development over the years is that we already have the the sense of size and the sense of scale and the sense of like what works so that's where whenever we start a new game we have a bit of a head start like we don't have to reinvent the wheel because we've tried and also yes we have two games out but we probably worked on 50 or 60 prototypes right but it's also good to know that not everything that you prototype becomes necessarily no. a game like there are a lot of things and, and and we have technically five more games in development now but we're jumping from project to project because we're game jammers so we're very We're very bad at focus on one thing at a time. And, uh, oh, this is so amazing. This is my favorite spot. Sorry. Uh, like now honestly, boats are sailing. I, I, just, I just want to keep it actually in the podcast. I want to cut wow. it out. So behind us, there was a police car driving. In front of us, there is a swan that was swimming around. Uh, the atmosphere is just wonderful and uh, it feels very organic. And we're looking at a Ferris wheel that is moving slowly yeah. in the abandoned amusement park behind us. Yeah. And the sun is shining through. It's amazing. Yeah. And like Joe was standing on this like tree stuff. Oh, yes. And, like looking my at the yeah. trees. My, my boyfriend is climbing trees around <laughs> us. <Yeah>. It's <laughs> well, amazing. That's, uh, that's how the VR community is. I have, I have a question for Sarah and I want to do a small disclaimer because Sarah is usually not particularly eager for me to ask questions about the XR base, but I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question about the XR base because I'm, you know, I'm trying to promote it with a podcast too. Uh, how <laughs> could you support young developers? This is not a promotional podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm interfering. Um, it's just a podcast where the community is speaking about what they're working on, what their projects are, what their learnings are, and um, what the community needs to actually go further with virtual reality and augmented reality. So how can a young developer be supported? Um, young developers, they should just be crazy as they can and jump into the tools. Also, just tools that we just mentioned, like VR just tools, um, right? Open, Unity, um, yeah, drop okay. in the VRTK. Game jams, yeah. Of course, game jams. Game jams, most important thing. Just exchange. Tell everything that you're working on. Just like whatever project Share you start. Yeah. Uh, talk to people about it. That's the most important thing that's bringing you forward. Because if you talk to the right people, they bring you forward. You bring them forward. So we can grow together and we can actually make something out of this industry. And show things early. Like that's, I think that's one of yeah. the, one of the things like, It's it's and and also like that's one main takeaway. I, I I hope that that people will will remember from this podcast. But don't just talk. Like even though you're not a good developer, even though you don't know what you're doing, if you're doing something, start showing it to people. Yeah. Like don't get be your scared. fucking demo out. Yes, get your demo out. But but seriously, you can the, beat the, that. The, the the best thing is if you actually show you to start and working on something because. 
honestly, I didn't know what I was doing when I started. And for whatever reason, I got attention from what I was doing. Also partially because it was a lot of people's first VR experience. So it probably wasn't good what I was doing. Mm. But just the fact that I was first, that I was doing something... Like, at least, like, first when I came to an event, like, there were rarely any other VR developers. So, so just the fact that I was doing something and I showed that I was doing something made people give me, like, great feedback that I could use uh, further in development. And it, it gave me exposure. So I started meeting other people who were interested in making virtual reality games. And then uh, they teamed up with me. And, and that whole process has been amazing. But it was because I was not secretive about what I was doing. I was not... Again, like the the beauty of ignorance uh, is amazing. I don't have a game development background. I have a business and law background, Whoa. and uh, and the beauty of ignorance was that I was not ashamed because I didn't know that my that my games if they were bad or not. I just liked playing them myself, and and since I didn't know whether they were bad or not, I just started. You're eating grass again, Sarah. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I uh, she's a horse. Just yeah. like my horse Shyla. Slim, man. But, but, Look but at just. My horse. <laughs> yeah. My horse is amazing. I had a point, I remember right now. But just the fact that I dared to, to, to show what I was working on was uh, the reason that I got anywhere in virtual reality development because then I got feedback and I saw what worked mm-hmm. for people. I knew what worked for myself, but I'm not necessarily, the, even though I call it masturbation and I make games for, that I want to play, but if I want other people to play my games, I also have to see how they react to what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also really about this whole industry because if we don't share and if we don't help each other further and so on, there's like more um, ugly VR demos out there that actually the mainstream gets no. as first time. Exactly. And, that was and so we the, don't want that. Yes. And that was why that was why especially Sarah and I were traveling around to so many events and, oh, we and showing what, what we were working on because we wanted people to experience something that that wouldn't scare them away from trying virtual reality and that, that wouldn't scare other developers away from making virtual reality either experiences or games or movies for that matter. It's very important to to push good content with hardware because elsewhere people drop and then people are not interested in uh, in actually trying again. I, I've, I One of the things, and now it's going to be a strong word, but that I hate the most is if someone shows people... Th- uh, a VR demo that makes them motion sick because they're never yeah. going to do VR again because exactly. I said last time I threw up that was nice and that's that's why like I know there are some who have a great tolerance for motion sickness I do but not some do not yeah and um, and I just think it's very important that when you make something you you make it so people will enjoy uh, experiencing it so so you don't scare them off from trying uh, something else in the future that's how you yeah. build a, yeah. a community right, yeah. okay should we wrap it up Yes, because yes. there are people getting cold. waiting, waiting yeah. for us. Looking waiting. cool. We need to go back part. to amazing, uh-huh. be amazing again. Yes. So um, you mentioned that uh, one should not just talk, but actually do. So yeah. let's wrap it up. Stop talking and actually continue doing amazing stuff. Eventualizing. Yes. I need to get back to Copenhagen and start working on our games again because I've been traveling like crazy, and and I just need to get into the sound. We need to ship ski jump this year. At least Horatia and I we keep telling each other that. And the Swedish arm of VR Unicorns and I are working on Blow Simulator. Mm. And Horatio and I also have our side projects of Ragnarok and Steampunk. How can and people Utopia. find you and all these um, projects? So my name is Julie Heide. So I'm on Twitter and uh, my last name is spelled H-E-Y-D-E. But you can also just find VR Unicorns on Twitter or Facebook. It's Virtual Reality Unicorns, VR Unicorns. Or you can find our games on Steam and Oculus Store and Viveport. 
and uh, like our email address is play at VR Unicorns if you ever want to hang with us somewhere. We play travel at vrunicorns.com. Sorry, dot yes, com. Dot com. I nailed the dot com for that one. That was great. I just woke up one morning and thought, let's be VR Unicorns. And I asked my teammates That's and they wonderful. said yes. It's also just nice because unicorns are magical creatures. And they are. And they're like horses. Yeah, and I love ponies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, riding the pony, uh, let's end up the show. How should people uh, do ACLs? <laughs> like, should they like, go to the website of XR Base or anything? Um, yeah, we have the podcast on the community website, on the um, community page of our website, xrbase.co. And um, yeah, just like come by, check it out, be happy, leave some comments, talk to us. We are happy to talk to you. We are happy. Be a VR unicorn. Yay. Goodbye. And eat some carrots. They're good for you. Yummy. Yummy. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. As usual, we would like to thank our sponsor, Virtual Spice by Southern Pepper, which is the leading provider of industrial virtual reality solutions. You can find us on all channels, on the podcast, subscribe, like, and share. We appreciate it. Thank you.